Welcome to Conversations. And now, from Los Angeles, here's your host, Mike Dowler. I am Mike Downer from Los Angeles. Welcome to Conversations on Conversations Radio. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Uh, if you have any questions or comments about this show, please drop us a line. It's conversationspod at gmail.com. Conversationspod at gmail.com. And we're on Twitter, Converse Radio. Like the shoe without the E at Converse Radio. And of course, we're on uh, Facebook too. Everybody, Everyone's on Facebook. Uh, conversations the podcast great to be with you tonight uh we've got a stellar guest tonight we'll be talking to mike c manning in just a second mike c manning is an actor producer writer and all things good in life and we'll talk to him wow yeah you like that hold the phone yeah, there like uh, hold a uh, guest host tonight returning guest host gotta love casey burke casey how are you i'm good how are you doing well and of course casey burke known as cindy bricks love interest on the middle and again that show uh is uh is ending casey has done her time and we'll talk about that in just one sec i want to remind folks as well our last episode was in um april we did one show because i was on vacation went to mexico and i gotta tell you i had a blast it was so much fun 10 night cruise and uh i did uh, very very well with my wife and we had uh, a really good time saw some sights and uh, enjoyed so more on that later our last, we had one show last month. That was Shopoy Aluko. Shopoy plays the shaman in the Black Panther. We had her on from Florida and uh, a great, great show there. That podcast is online on the website and on Podbean. And of course, the website for that episode, episode 16, is. Okay, deep breath. Conversationspod.wixsite.com slash conversations conversationspod.wixsite.com slash conversations so check that out as well and again all the podcasts are available on podbean via rss feed or just go to our site and uh, download them there they're all there for you great shows on the way more on that shortly but again casey what is going on um not much at the moment how about you well you know about the same uh, just uh, just dealing with stuff uh, with the podcast and at work and all that good stuff. And uh, I know that uh, your last your last episode on uh, on the middle uh, aired uh, just last. I think it was last week. Yep. That was because um, we've, we've we've mentioned the two words bittersweet a number of times. Was that one word? It's one word bittersweet. <laughs> um, but uh, a great ending. And again, folks, if you have uh, any kind of a cable or Time Warner or anything like that. Those are um, all available in demand, so you can watch that episode um, uh, at your leisure. But uh, great, uh, great run, Casey! Phenomenal job. Thank you. And uh, so, I guess you cleaned out you cleaned out your locker at Warner Brothers. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you probably gather a lot of stuff over uh, over four years, I would think. Uh, mainly just the scripts because I like to keep all of those. Um, I kept the corsage that I wore like to the the fake prom <laughs> um, but other than that I didn't I didn't keep anything so the, the, it was the, a fairly easy clean out 
the funniest thing, well, I guess the ironic thing, I'm not sure how many folks caught it right away, but this was the first time ever that you didn't wear your hat. Yeah. That, that was pretty iconic. Now, yeah, did, yeah. Did, I was waiting for it for four seasons, so. <laughs> now, do you get to keep the hat? No, I I probably, I guess I could have asked, but uh, I did not keep the hat. I think it'll go into Smithsonian or something. They'll be able to yeah, see it right in a, behind in a the glass. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> over, at the, over at the Getty Center or something. That'd be great. Well, awesome. You're, you're off to uh, New York to do some stuff in New York shortly, and then, uh, but but of course, uh, you're still auditioning and doing things, and um, school's wrapping up as well. Yep. Did you go to prom? I did. I, I went to real prom the week that I that my episode where I went to fake prom aired. <laughs> so it was it wasn't yeah it was it wasn't in a library. Was no, a, no, yeah. that was that was a real prom. <laughs> that was a, a great scene. I hope that uh, Patricia Heaton's knee um, recovered from your kick. That's uh, that was a while <laughs> back. I was like, wow, <laughs> typical Cindy. Don't want to piss her off, you know. But yeah. uh, really good. Uh, Mike C. Manning again is with us. Mike C. Manning, for some reason, he's in Nashville. Mike is an actor. He's a writer. Um, he is a producer and does all kinds of things media-wise. And I, most known for uh, his work on Teen Wolf on MTV, as well as his start in the real world. Got his feet wet in theater early on in Colorado and never looked back. And he's just forward, 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 doing stuff. And I got to tell you, Mike, good evening. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for having me. Let me. When I asked Casey if she wanted to co-host a show, I'm throwing Casey under the bus here. She was like, "Yes," <laughs> because uh, Casey is a total uh, Teen Wolf geek. That's that's great. I have a question for Casey. Actually, um, did you ever work in in your time on the middle? Did you ever work with uh, Galadriel Steinman? I did not, but I met her at the 200th ep- 200th episode party. She's a sweetheart. Yeah, no, she's a she's a really good friend of mine. And- and she and I actually did one of my first films uh, that I did in Los Angeles was a, a Hallmark movie, and she played my girlfriend in a Hallmark movie. Oh wow! And yeah, yeah. And so I, I would always, I would always watch her in the middle. So yeah. uh, it's nice to talk to you. I yeah, think, you too. <laughs> I think everyone's been on that show. Yeah, well, always. you know, Michael, I wasn't. So <laughs> well, Mike, you know, but you've done everything <laughs> else. <laughs> and if it had run another year, you probably would have been on it. So. All right, we'll go with that. But, Thank you. Uh, <laughs> why are you in Nashville, sir? So I'm in Nashville for a documentary um, that I produced called uh, called Lost in America uh, about youth homelessness. So it's it's been a a long uh, journey with this film. Uh, I've been working on it for three and a half years, and uh, we're finally ready to release it. So Nashville is one of our stops, the Nashville Film Festival. Working with uh, Miley Cyrus, I understand. Yeah, we have a, a lot of great people on the film, um, and and it was very important for us to sort of not have like like celebrities just for the sake of having celebrities. Sure. Um, but we wanted people really connected to the cause. One of the main women in our film is Jewel, um, who is a Grammy Award winning artist now, but she actually was homeless and spent t- time being living on the streets. And her interviews in our film are, are some of my favorite. Yeah, it's, it's funny you mention that because I. I... I know that Jewel, the, the story is she lived in her car. Um, she was homeless for a time. Um, SNL at one point did a, a parody of that, but I think folks didn't realize that that was actually true. She really was homeless in her car, and I think she's, she's just one of hundreds of thousands that uh, that are sleeping in the streets or even in a car or whatnot. It's it's a big problem, especially with kids. I mean, you go to towns it's like... A huge- 
Like it, it's a huge, yeah, it's a huge problem, and and a lot of people don't know how big of a problem it is. A lot of people don't know, and I didn't know this. I found out about the issue um, because I started volunteering at a at a youth shelter, and I got to hear some of the stories. And I said, well, how how big is the problem really? Because it's easy to think that maybe in Los Angeles it's a big problem because it's a. a big city and a lot of people travel to LA but um, I started doing research and figuring out that it was a much bigger problem but um, I had no idea that uh, you know 5,000 kids die on the streets every single year Um, and and just some of the other stats are just staggering and so I knew that I had to be a part of this film and the exploitation as well kids they can take advantage of uh, prostitution and all kinds of stuff I don't know if you ever saw the killing the series called the killing um, I, I am familiar with it. I, okay, I, so there I was a watch. there was a season with uh, with uh, where Bex Taylor Kloss, who's been on, been on our show before, uh, plays a, a homeless, you know, rough street kid, and it just kind of the whole season for that season was basically about that scene, um, and that that's real. Um, I've been to Seattle, and I got to tell you, there's a lot of homeless kids there. Yeah, yeah, we actually have somebody uh, living on the streets in Seattle in our film as well. And uh, Casey, you got uh, some background as well with the homeless because every year you guys go over to uh, the shelters and the I mission. I do, yeah. And every feed. year we go for Thanksgiving um, and or Christmas and Easter to help out at the LA Mission, which I is one of my favorite events of the year. I don't think folks choose to be homeless. I, I hear that from people. I think that is uh, a, a characterization that's not 100% true. Um, it's, it's actually it's actually almost quite the opposite. Um, a lot what we found with the film is that people are homeless for three reasons: um, either home isn't safe and they're running from something, probably drugs, alcohol, sexual abuse, that sort of thing. Home doesn't exist, and that's more of an economic issue if the whole family loses their home, right. or home doesn't want them, and that is uh, mainly about rejection of youth, um, LGBT youth, which is a disproportionate amount of homeless youth are LGBT. Um, so we really found that a lot of most of these youth, the vast, vast majority of these youth don't choose to be on the streets. They're on the streets by circumstances that are out of their control. Sure. And um, and there's no real safety net in our that our government supports that that helps them on a national level. Yeah, that's that's something we need to. Uh, I think our politicians need to get their priorities straight and, and take a look and see that this is a real this is a progressive problem. I mean, it's getting yeah. worse and worse. Um, yeah, I mean, I live in I live in Santa Clarita. Not so bad here, but uh, I do commute to the San Fernando Valley every day, and uh, it's it's a real it's a real thing. I mean, they're they are they're it's a struggle, and in Los Angeles as well. We we, um, we travel to fifteen different cities. Uh, we interview thirty uh, youth about what the how they're on the streets, uh, what it's like, uh, like life living on the streets, um, and. You know, if they've tried to get off the streets and what that struggle is like, and then we uh, we interview fifty uh, local, um, state, or uh, state-run organizations, and then um, and then local organizations like district organizations, um, people that run shelters, that sort of thing, and then national organizations. And um, so it really runs. We, we really take an all-encompassing look at the issue, how the issue has developed over the past several decades, why it's such a problem, um, but also how it's a problem that we can very much solve within the next 10 years within our lifetimes we can make sure that no child has to sleep on the streets it's something that um because you think about the issue of of homelessness 
in general, and it, th- it feels like a big issue. It feels like something that's almost unsolvable. But if we can just agree, you know, on the left side, on the right side, Democrats, Republicans, how, whatever your mindset is, if we can just agree that a child should not be sleeping on the streets, we can start there and we can try to help these kids. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think something needs to be done. Um, you know, you read in the news every day, there's some, you know, new implement uh, trying to help out the homeless, but nothing has been good enough yet. And I think you know, we definitely need to do something about it. It's uh, it's a, like an ongoing problem. Ten years ago would be fantastic. I hope we can do that. And uh, when what is expected to release to release this documentary? So we're taking it to different um, communities uh, across the country right now and really trying to engage uh, organizations that that help kids on the state level. Uh, And then we're hopefully going to um, have an announcement in the next two months about uh, finding the film a home. So we want we want a wide release. We want a theatrical release. We want as many people to see it as possible. And so um, if people are interested, they can follow me and I'll definitely be posting about it. Okay. Um, but we'll have, yeah, we'll have some big announcements in the next uh, couple months. Yeah, let me know too because I'll go ahead and post on our site as well because this is a very important issue. I would love and, that. Yeah, and look Thank forward you. to seeing that. You, uh, you, I'm going to go back just a bit here to your beginnings. Now, are, you, are, you from, are you from Florida? I was born in Florida and then I grew up in Colorado. And early on in Colorado, what part of Colorado, by the way? Uh, North Denver. Oh, okay, North. There's North Denver. So yeah, there's yeah. well. So it's it's a northern suburb. It's called Thornton. Okay. Yeah. Early on, you uh, you kind of fell in love with theater. Mm-hmm. You and Casey have that common ground. Both of you um, have a theater background. So tell us about the early days. So, I mean, did, your, did your parents encourage and support your decisions? It was my parents were always encouraging um, with everything that I wanted to do, but they they sort of didn't understand acting. I didn't have any actors in my um, in my universe, and I didn't really know anybody that was making a living being an actor. So for me, it was always something I loved and enjoyed, but it was never something that I, I really took seriously as a job and as something that I could make a living doing uh, until later on in my life. Um, but I was, you know, I was I was the person that would go to um, to soccer practice or to wrestling practice, and then I would change really quick in the locker room and and sprint to theater practice and, and with my you know with my lines and try to do both and so I was always juggling that because I, I really didn't know what I wanted to do but I just knew I, I loved theater and, and always wanted to be a part of um, whatever you know productions were going on and luckily my high school had had a really great theater program um, we had a huge like a brand new theater and a, um, my, the, my theater teacher was the leader of the Colorado State Thespian Group and so oh. he was very supportive um, and always would fight for funding for our district for arts and theater education. When you when you were, when you're doing theater, obviously, because um, at some point you came to Washington to do the Real World on MTV. Were there mm-hmm. jobs in between there, or did you go right from Colorado to to, to Washington? How did that all come up? Uh, yeah, it was crazy. I was in school. I was going to school for for business actually, um, and a friend of mine uh, comes up to me, and, and this is in in northern Colorado. I'm attending. Um, the University of Northern Colorado for business, and he came up to me and he said, "Mike, uh, you used to audition, right? And you used to do the acting thing, right?" And I said, "Yeah." And he said, "Well, there's an audition for a reality show um, that's uh, this weekend. I want you to go with me." And it was at a it was at a college, you know, maybe an hour away from where we were. And I said, "No, man, I don't really want to." And he said, "It's called Real World." And I said, "What's that?" 
I had never seen the show before. <laughs> I'd never watched a single episode. And he had, he told me about it, and I said, all right, man, I'll go with you to support you, to help you get on the show. And uh, and I did, and, and then they ended up casting me instead. <laughs> That's um, quite an experience. The uh... It was great. It was – listen, I would never do it again because you're literally – living with seven other strangers uh, in a place that you've never been with cameras everywhere right. and no television or radio. So not if, it was not everyone and, gets and along. no privacy. Yeah, not everyone gets along as well. And not everyone gets along. No. So I would, at that point in my life, it was, it was a fun thing to do and it was a way to meet new people um, and, and to experience something that, I, that most people probably don't experience uh, living in a fishbowl like that. But, um, but I, yeah, I probably would, wouldn't do it again. If I were asked to, right now, and they did, they did different cities: New York, they did San Francisco, they had a bunch of cities that they had that show. It, it was yeah, and it was, it was sort of a blessing for me to do that. My season took place in D.C. because it got me involved um, in politics. Now, I've always been curious about politics, but I didn't really know. I wasn't really as engaged, um, and and obviously, living in D.C., everyone there lives and breathes politics. So it was right. very easy for me to to get involved. And also to get involved on the show so that when I came off the show, I had a national platform for talking about things like youth activism and voting and, you know, that sort of thing. Wow. That's uh, that's incredible. So, I mean, a good experience for you. And then uh, when that was over, what happened? Did you, did you? I mean, obviously you guys did the show not really acting because it's kind of it's the it's kind of like reality. It's like real reality TV. So when you were done with that, when the show was over. Did you decide, hey, let's go ahead and do more TV, or should I do more auditions, or what was the process? You know, that period of my life was a series of saying yes to random opportunities that came up. I followed my friend in the audition. I did the show. After the show was over, I went back to Colorado. Um, I went back to school, and I sort of was figuring my life, you know, figuring out my next move. Uh, I had a manager in Los Angeles that saw the show and reached out to me on Facebook and said, hey, uh, I think you have a really great look. Do you have any acting experience? And I said, yeah, I've done you know, theater and I've done like one little independent film, um, so not a ton, but I have some. And I sent him some of my stuff and he um, said, hey, I think that you should move out to LA. I think you should give it six months, uh, pack up your stuff and just see what the city has to offer. And um, if you don't like it, you can go back to Colorado. And if you do like it, you can stay in LA. And the next the next week, I told my parents that I was moving. I packed up my car and uh, <laughs> I drove out to LA. Kind of sounds like your story, Casey. Yeah, kind of. You you came from was it New York to Australia to? Am I right? To LA? Yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, it was New York to London, back to New York to Australia to here. <laughs> And, and was acting your primary primary reason for coming to LA? No, um, I moved because my dad's job. And then I, when I when I first moved here, I wanted to be a veterinarian. And then oh. I was super shy. So one of the girls at my school was like, "Oh, I'm part of a theater company. You should come audition." And I was like, uh, "Okay." And um, turns out I loved it. So. <laughs> It's very addictive, I hear that. I mean, the, the, the yeah. theater is like the stepping stone. And, of course, you landed the middle, which was um, which was a phenomenal show. And, and again, uh, a role that was really created for you, which is fantastic. Yeah. And and now, the, from uh, so, you come to, so you come to L.A., Mike, and then 
how soon did Teen Wolf start for you? Um. Well, <laughs> am, well I, am I missing spaces here? I don't know. You're missing a few spaces, but uh, which is which is fine because um, it was it was a it was a process. So I my first ever audition was for Power Rangers. Oh, okay. and that's right. I, I had been in LA for a week, and I auditioned for Power Rangers, and I get a callback, and I get another callback, and I go to producers, and I sign the contract, and it was between me and one other guy for the Red Ranger. And I remember telling my manager, I was like, wow, this acting thing is easy. My first audition, <laughs> I go to producers, I sign a contract, I'm going to be making way more money than I thought I would. This is great. And then um, I ended up not getting it. And uh. for the next five months, uh, I, didn't, uh, I didn't work. I would audition and get nothing, audition and get nothing, to where um, my, my six months was almost over. And looking back now, giving yourself a six-month time limit is ridiculous because yeah. it takes way longer than that uh, for most people. And so I, but I, I had given myself six months and I said, um, it, was five, it was five months and two weeks. And I remember calling my mom saying, mom, I think I might be coming back to Colorado. I don't know if this is for me. Um, you know, I had like a good job lined up in Colorado and I was thinking about going back to that. And then, um, and I said, you know what, but I'm gonna stick it out. I said six months, I'm gonna give it six months. And the next week, which was five months and three weeks that I had been in LA, I booked my first film, and it was it was nothing. It was a little independent film, um, but it was a job, and it was me getting to do what I love to do. And and, um, and I, so I stayed in LA, and I did that film, and I did another film, and another film, and then I did that Hallmark movie with Galadriel. Yeah, and then um, I did Hawaii Five O. I did Major Crimes. Wow. Uh, I did a Disney Channel movie called Cloud Nine, which was great. Yeah. Um, I did another Disney show called Crash and Bernstein on Disney XD where I played an Australian foreign exchange student, which was really fun. <laughs> and then season six of Teen Wolf, uh, I was involved with season six of Teen Wolf, which was the, this this last season. Wow. The one that, uh, so there, the there one that are Casey a few, watched. A few in between. <laughs> Casey, a favorite Teen Wolf episode? Do you want to uh, anything? <laughs> I mean – Season three was my favorite season. It was like like Teen Wolf was my guilty pleasure in middle school. That and Pretty Little Pretty Little Liars, like those two shows, were my life when I was thirteen. <laughs> mm-hmm. My sister, my my sister was the same way. She was obsessed with Pretty Little Liars. I actually went out for. I had auditioned for Teen Wolf in season two, mm-hmm. in season three, and in season five, and <laughs> I and I. And I, uh, I, I had audi- well, I had auditioned. I think a total of five times. Wow. And two of the times I went, um, I was pinned, and I went to network. And uh, for for people listening, that uh, that just means that you they're really interested. They check your availability, you know, your rate, that sort of thing. Um, and it means you're very very close to getting it. And then twice I ended up not getting it. So I sort of was. I just decided, okay, you know what, this sh- this show's not for me. I love the show, but um, it's not going to happen. And then. For season six, they called me, or I guess my manager, and um, and said that they had a role for me. So wow, yeah, I, I auditioned like five times before I got on the middle too. So I guess it's just keeping at it. <laughs> Casey, yeah, you're, yeah. you're the expert. Casey wants to get into this crazy business. It's a numbers game, and you just got to keep at it if you if you really want it. Casey, you're the expert here. Why does it take so long? Um, I think. I mean, honestly, I think a lot of it. You know, it, obviously, you have to have the experience, and the more you work at it, the better you get. And I, but honestly, I think a lot of it is just timing. You know, so many of these things, you you don't 
not get it because you're not talented. It's just, you know, that person has a specific look in mind or they know, like, their niece is wanting the role or something. And it's just being in the right place at the right time and getting the right role. Does that sound about right, Mike? Yeah, no, it really is. It really is. There are so many things in this industry that are out of your control, and which actually I learned as a producer um, that whether it's a TV show or a film, there are so many things that the actor can't control, whether it's your appearance or how you, how you sound, even if your hair is the same color as somebody else that they already cast. It has nothing to do with your acting ability. It has nothing to do with who you are as a person. It's just your hair. And and it really helped me being on the other side of the camera and working on as a producer on some of these projects really helped take the pressure off as an actor because I realized, look, I can only go and do the best I can. Sure. And, you know, and study and learn my craft and really work hard at it, but just do the best I can. And then after that, it's not up to me and I forget about it. And then I move on to the next thing. And then, you know, sometimes I get the call that I booked the job. And what I always say, too, and I've said this a number of times. Um, it's re- it's respecting the craft as well, realizing that uh, what you're doing is is special. I um, mean, obviously, but there's a lot involved, and I think you can't take it for granted. You really gotta you know, every day be grateful that uh, that you're working in the business. Yeah, absolutely. You um, so again, a lot of a lot of film work here. Um, you did you uh, you also you 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 did some producing as well, which is cool. Working with Lance Bass and Tom DeSanto, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, like, I, I mean, being on the other side of the camera uh, is something that I didn't really plan on doing. Um, I This was right after I had done the Disney show Crash and Bernstein, and I had just filmed Cloud Nine. Um, and I was living in L.A. as an actor, finally making a living doing it and loving, you know, loving the fact that I, I could say that. And a friend of mine in Colorado um, told me about a documentary that he was involved with about about child abuse, <laughs> and uh, and I said, oh, I, like he told me his story, and I said, wow, like that seems like a fascinating topic. Um, that seems like a film that that you know needs to be made, a story that needs to be told. And uh, and I said, how can I help? I said, I want to learn how to produce. How can I help? And I ended up coming on as a producer and sort of figuring out everything as I went along. And then I called. Um, Tom DeSanto, who produced X-Men and Transformers and was a huge producer, who had become a mentor and a friend of mine. And he said, look, man, I think that this is an important film, too. I'll produce it with you. And so my first film that I'm producing was with Tom. And then I called Lance, who I met when he and I had hosted the American Music Awards together in 2010. And I said, hey, Lance, I think that this is a film that you would really, um, you know, this topic you would really care about. Uh, watch it and tell me what you think. And he called me back and he said, "Look, I'll I'll come on the film and I'll be a part of it." So it was just a lot of you know people that cared about the film and the topic coming together. And then we ended up selling it to Showtime, uh, which was fantastic because it was for my first film selling to Showtime. It was it, it was a great feeling. And so I followed that filmmaker to her next film, and then I I started doing documentaries. And then uh, after a couple years of doing that, I switched to scripted um, films. And uh, started producing. My first scripted film was a comedy called Folk Hero and Funny Guy. And that premiered at Tribeca and was in theaters um, shortly after that. Very cool. And then, uh, and then I did another, another film, which was like a, a revenge thriller kind of thing. And, um, and yeah, and, and now I'm just I'm doing that just as much as, as the acting thing. And, and I love that um, just as much. Do you, do you think being in front of the camera 
um, is kind of like a prerequisite to producing I mean, in, in, by experience? Because I mean, there's a, it's, I mean, it's a total different dynamic because you're behind. It, yeah, it, it's definitely a different dynamic. And I'm not the type of person that's going to say, because I'm an actor, I only want to be an actor and I only want to be a part of stories where I can be in front of the camera because there are great stories. I mean, at, at the core of it, I'm a storyteller and there are great stories that I have no place in as an actor, but stories that I still think the world needs to see and hear. And so right. if if I find those stories and I find a script that really speaks to me and I say, look, I'm going to work behind the camera to make this happen, um, you know, that's just as fulfilling sometimes. Casey, do you want to direct and produce? I've never I've never gotten the chance to try that out, but I would love to try that out at some point. I that'd be that'd be fun. I got to tell you, yeah. I, I did a, I did a, a film um, about two years ago called uh, Fishes and Lobes. I was in, in the background. I was part of the congregation. We filmed in this church in San Fernando for like twelve hours with no AC. Hottest day of the year. <laughs> um, oh no. But the but the coolest thing, and unfortunately that scene got cut up cut. But I've I've sitting in the in the in the in the, uh, in the sanctuary as those scenes are there. But the coolest thing was named when they measure you from the camera with the tape. I thought that was like just so awesome. It was me opposite um, Patrick Muldoon, and uh, it was very very cool. And I and, and I you I think that experience maybe a a like a good a, kind of prepares you. So you know what is expected, um, you know, behind the scenes, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. no, I think it really does. I mean, and, and it really shows you that it takes a village. It takes a village to create a movie. It's, it's people will it'll it'll take 150 people doing 150 different jobs yeah. all day to create sometimes a five minute scene. Yeah. And, yeah. and that five minute scene is what people see on the television or in the movie theater. Um, but it really, you know, and, and as a producer and as an actor, you really get to know those different positions on set and you really respect everybody for, for their job and how hard they're working to, to make it all run smoothly. Well, working with Patrick Muldoon and Bruce Davison was fantastic. Amanda Lynn Carlson was also in the film. Um, but, uh, just, uh, like you said, it is, our scenes were just sanctuary scenes and it was literally 12 hours. It was a, it was a rough shoot. Um, and, um, it does take a village. A lot of folks involved. I know for the middle of Casey, um, I've seen behind the scenes stuff and, uh, wow, what a crew. Yeah. They're incredible. <laughs> I, mean, everybody, I mean, it's like, it's like, it's, it's like a dance almost. Everybody knows exactly what their cue is, what they got to do to get things, make things happen. Cause of course time is money, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> and you as a producer, Mike, you're very familiar with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's uh, that's cool. The uh, you, at some point you came back and you uh, came back to the stage with uh, Ray Don Chong. Yeah, yeah, and, which, uh, was, Lisa which was another random thing that that just happened. Um, I had told my agents this was coming at a time where I had done a few film projects and a few TV projects, um, and I called my agents one day and I said, "Hey guys, I really um, want to if something." in theater comes up if you if something comes across your desk for for uh theater that i would be right for please let me know because i really want to i think a, a show uh, a film that i had i've been doing for uh, a couple months had just ended and 
it was going into the summer and I hadn't really, I didn't really have anything planned. So I was like, I really want to find a play that I can sink my teeth into and spend my summer doing that. And the next week they got a call from this woman that had seen, uh, that had seen me on, uh, as a guest star on a TV show. And she called them and said, Hey, does Mike do theater? She didn't even know. She said, I like his look. Does Mike do theater? I wrote a play. I'm going to premiere it at the Santa Monica Playhouse. Uh, I'm interested in Mike for this role. And they called me and they said, hey, did you reach out to this woman? And I said, no, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> and it just so happened that she uh, reached out as it, right after I talked to my agent. So it was sort of a kismet um, and very serendipitous that, that it happened that way. And so I did I did the play with Ray Dun Chong at the Santa Monica Playhouse. Amazing. And then the next year I did another play at the Santa Monica Playhouse. Uh, Santa Monica Playhouse with the same playwright. Wow, that's uh, and again stage work. Uh, Casey's no stranger to that. It's a commitment. I mean, it takes months. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a commitment, but it's also there's nothing like the energy of having a live audience there because you can't uh, if you mess up, you can't yell. You know, you can't the director can't yell cut and you go back to one and start over. It's it's you're in it and you're yeah. on stage and your adrenaline's pumping and you're with the other person and you're, uh, I mean, the energy there is, is, is just, is fantastic. And I definitely see why people get addicted to, to doing theater. I mean, even local theater, um, local theater, like for us, it's, it's the Canyon theater guild here in Santa Clarita. You're looking at auditions about six months before they go to curtain. And obviously there's rehearsal time through that. So it's literally about a six, you know, six to seven month uh, commitment. Yeah. 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 It, it definitely is. But it's, I mean, it's worth it. it. What better way to, to learn a character and to learn, uh, to spend time with your cast and to be a part of, create a world for people to see. You worked with, uh, Francesca Eastwood as well. Tell me about that. Mm-hmm. And MFA. Uh, so that was a film called MFA and, um, Francesca Eastwood plays a female art student who is, uh, sexually assaulted. And then she goes on this mission to um, get back at men that have assaulted women and gotten away with it. So it's sort of like a, a revenge thriller kind of thing. So uh, it was really fun to act with Francesca. Um, and I was also a producer on the film. Um, <clears throat> that was one of the – actually, that was the first film that I was involved with as a producer from start to finish. So really f- like taking a script that a friend had written – um, and then being a part of the process from the casting and the packaging and the financing and the, the shooting and the, all the contracts and all that stuff to then premiering at South by Southwest and then selling the film and then be a, being a part of that process too. And so it was, it was really challenging um, because I was also in the film, um, but it was also really, really educational and really rewarding because I really felt like a piece of my soul is with that film and with that story and and you know it, and you you just felt like a family uh, and, and a par- part of a team and my friend Leah McKendrick wrote the film and she's a really good friend of mine so to see her story um, get out there and and be told was just really great to see. I'm really amazed because you, you you almost went back home and yet you stayed and things began to happen. <laughs> yeah. That is, I mean. My gosh, yeah. that's wonderful. I mean, you've you've been busy. You've consistently booked and and producing and doing all that stuff. And I can't wait to see what you do next. It's it's very very exciting. Um and um 
I hope you and Casey get to work together. That'd be great. I see I see some good acting chemistry there. And I'm hoping yeah. to see Casey yeah, do no, stuff too. That'd be, that'd be great, Casey. I would love that. Okay. Yeah, me too. Yeah, she. I. I. I got to tell you, from day one, when when Cindy was debuted on that show, I. I. I was like awkward, <laughs> but it was it was in a funny way, you know. And 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 it was a definitely a part of the show. I mean, it was it was cool to watch all of that evolve. Um, and the middle definitely is is based on the characters for the most part. It's really character-based, but also a timeline. Because every season, it seems like things, the the, the, it, the show kind of changes. Um, new technologies do, you know, I remember when they didn't have cell phones on the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, and now look at it, but um, it's great. I want to talk about uh, Boofer Bullying because uh, I'm a very, very strong supporter of uh, anti-bullying. Uh, there's no room for it anywhere. And uh, you've really kind of, um, um, you've lobbied in Washington as well on this. Yeah, so uh, Buddha Bullying was started in 2011. And in 2012, I became an ambassador. I found out about it. It's a Los, it's based in Los Angeles and Palm Springs. Um, the, the president um, started it in Palm Springs and it quickly spread to L.A. And, um, and I, I was an ambassador. I was a, a youth boys ambassador for the first two years um and that would just that just meant that i would go and speak at events or i would go create content or videos or whatever about bullying um anytime that they asked me to and then um and then uh two years ago i decided to become more involved and i joined the board and then i became the director of development and really tried to create more school programs and um and and make our, our, our presence in Los Angeles a little bit larger. So um, we brought on more ambassadors. We started creating original content online that we could send out to people um, with like videos and graphics and stuff about bullying and inspirational quotes and that sort of thing. Um, and then really just going to school to, to more schools with our ambassadors uh, and speaking about bullying and about what to do and, and about, um, you know, ways to, um, combat cyberbullying and, and and all those sorts of things, um, and it really grew, and it was great because you know our our ambassadors, um, which Casey, I mean, I would love to talk to you about this. Our ambassadors are every every everywhere from the acting industry to um, to Olympic athletes to professional sports uh, teams. We have an NFL player. Uh, we have a former Olympic athlete um, and, a, and a professional figure skater. And uh, we just have a lot of ambassadors that we send to different programs, depending on what the school or the or the um, the after school program needs to talk to the kids about bullying in ways that they can really relate to. Because some of these programs, um, and I think they're all great, but some of the programs are very, it's sort of cookie cutter. And it's yeah. you try to apply the same program to to every everywhere and sometimes that, that that doesn't always work yeah i think as well it's like for, for me and again the schools really turned the other cheek on for years on bullying like it didn't exist and 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 we've seen the results of what happens these kids do go crazy and 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 things happen they you know they take their lives or uh, they become bulliers themselves eventually uh, the but uh, the main thing is, is I think it's not talked nearly talked about nearly enough. It, it's a, it's an ongoing problem. I think it, maybe it's getting better, but again, it seems like we, it, everything's going hunky dory, and folks are addressing it and talking about it, and then it goes away for a while, and then it just something else something happens 
and then it's back in the news again. It's got to be a constant, constant uh, um, educational process. Mm-hmm. No, it really is. It, it 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 is, and it's only going to stop if people that are being bullied feel empowered to stand up for themselves. But also, if the people around uh, in those situations that are that are watching it happen feel empowered to stand up for for people that are being bullied and and to to talk about it and not just ignore it, like you're saying. And we had Asia Mayrock. I don't know if you know Asia or not. She's uh, written wrote a book a few years back called. Uh, the survival survivor's guide to bullying, and uh, she has just gone everywhere and talked to schools, organizations, um, uh, politicians, and really getting the word out about it. And the book is fantastic. Um, and uh, her, she herself was bullied, as many of those who are advocates for anti-bullying are. I mean, it's 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 a very prevalent thing. Um, but if you get a chance, uh, check that book out, uh, the survival guide to bullying. It's very very good. It should be. I think required reading in all schools. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I'll have to check that out. All righty. Hey, we're winding down here. I want to make sure that uh, we uh, promote all your stuff. I know you're working on the documentary. What do you have coming up next besides that? Um. Well, I just uh, I just did a film last year in Colorado, and that's out on Amazon right now. It's called Ice the Movie, uh, and I play a hockey player and professional figure skater. Ah. In the movie, so you get to to see me uh, ice skate or attempt to ice skate and play <laughs> hockey, and and that was a lot of fun. And we shot that in my home state of Colorado. Cool. So that's on Amazon right now. Ice the movie, and then um and then I shot a mini series for Amazon that will be out sometime this year. I'm not sure when, but it's called Six Degrees of Separation, and um and yeah, and I'm in uh in the the full season of that. So that'll be kind of cool. Wow. Mike C. Manning, you're amazing. Uh, you're amazing. From Colorado to Washington, D.C. to L.A. <laughs> almost yeah. went home, but stayed, and things began to happen. And now you're in Nashville for this, and the good Nashville, a phenomenal city. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait to see the live music. That's what I'm going to be doing tomorrow. So. Good, good. Enjoy that. And uh, I want to make sure we promote as well how people get a hold of you and, and check your – you're on Instagram, obviously. Yeah, everything across the board is real easy. Um, Instagram, uh, Twitter, it's all Mike C. Manning. All right, you're very good. And again, on Twitter, um, you're on, um, again, Instagram and uh, all over the place. Uh, you can go to uh, Google. Probably just, just make sure you – the C is very important. A lot of Mike Mannings out there, but only one Mike <laughs> C. Manning. Yeah, there is only one for now. The reason I did that is because Demi Lovato's guitarist is Mike Manning. And before I put the C in there, I would get people tweeting me and messaging me like, oh, I had a great time at Demi's concert last night. (laughs) Thank you so much. And I'm like, you know, thank you for the message, but that wasn't me. And so I I just had to throw the C in there. Do you get spotted a lot, by the way, when you're out in public? You know, it it comes and goes. Sometimes – I'll go through the airport and I'll get spotted six times, and then sometimes um, it'll be a month and nobody talks to me. So it really <laughs> just depends. Yeah, don't personalize that. That's you know the nature of the beast. Mike oh, C. Yeah, Benning, no, it's, um, it's, it's fine. It's I'm no hard feelings whatsoever. Oh yeah, Casey. Any questions you want to close out with? What was the cast of Teen Wolf like? <laughs> Everybody was really great. Um, my favorite moment was I got in a fight with Lyndon Ashby, mm-hmm. who, when I was a kid, I, I saw him in the movie Mortal Kombat, and, mm-hmm. um, and he played Johnny Cage. And so, 
though, to fight him, who I thought was like this cool martial artist as a kid, was a really cool experience. But yeah, everybody, every single person I met on set was was really great. Awesome. Yeah, I visited the set in season five, I think, and they, yeah, everyone was super nice. Very yeah. cool. Where did they uh, Where did they uh, film that out? Um, bef- I think the, some of the older seasons. I think they filmed in Atlanta. I could yeah. be wrong, but yeah, season um, two. Yeah, but so my season they filmed in Los Angeles. Oh, cool. Well, you're a busy guy, and again, it's late there in Nashville. Thank you so much for joining us. And will you come back out again soon? Yeah, absolutely. Have Hopefully, you I have more to talk about. You, you, and um, yeah, I would love that. You did very good. And again, it's late there. And, um, and uh, yeah, it's, again, it's Mike C. Manning. Check him out online. You can Google as well. Uh, he's also on uh, uh, Twitter and uh, Instagram. So, Mike, thank you so much. Thank you, Michael. Okay, so hang Thank on. you, Casey. It was nice talking to you both. Yes, yeah, nice to meet you. So, hang in there just one second. Don't leave yet. Um, Casey, again, what are you working on next? Uh, graduating high school. All right. <laughs> great. Isn't it great to have a normal life again? Yeah, yeah. It's it's still very busy. Yeah. But <laughs> oh, yeah. So uh, we'll talk to you again for sure. You've been a, always a, a friend of the programs, and I appreciate that. And thank you. And don't forget, guys, that uh, In the Middle is still on TV. A few more, a few more shows left. And then the reruns. So uh, Cindy's not going away. You'll still see her on there. Want to remind you folks again? Now we've got a show next week. We've got three shows this month. Three shows next week from another ABC show, brand new show called Splitting Up Together. We have Olivia Kevel. Olivia plays daughter May on the show, so that'll be next uh, next Wednesday, eight p.m. And then in uh, two weeks, we have uh, Nikolai Nikolov. But great shows again online on the website, also on Podbean, and please uh, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. This is Conversations Radio. So long.